Hello everybody, my name is Anne Teato and welcome to the Psychic Matters podcast episode number 54. Happy New Year to you all and what a Christmas that was. Goodness me, I don't know a single person I've spoken to who was not touched in some way by the pandemic. I do hope you managed to spend at least some time with your families, if not in person, then on the telephone, or if your family are in the spirit world, then in meditation, communing with them in that way. Or perhaps you did what I did, which is to open your Christmas presents with your COVID-ridden children on WhatsApp. A very unique and unusual Christmas indeed, but we all survived it. And just think how these situations have helped us all to know what love truly is, the importance of connection with others and how we can best serve other people. If we didn't have these challenges, we couldn't grow. We wouldn't grow at all. So we give thanks for those opportunities which show us all how to be a better human being. So we begin a whole new year and it's got off to a fabulous start. We had quite a few people turn up this week to the mediumship hour. Thanks to all of you who came for that. It was wonderful working with you and your loved ones in the spirit world. And for those of you that don't know, the mediumship hour takes place every Tuesday throughout the year. It's a free online event. We all love a free event, let's face it, especially in January and February when we're all tightening our belts just a little. It starts at 7pm UK time and runs for just one hour, which is a 2pm start if you're in the EST time zone or an 11am start if you are in the PST time zone. And if you are in the Melbourne area of Australia, it's a bit of an early start for you guys, but it's doable. 6am to 7am. I mean, what a great way to start your day with coffee and mediumship. I demonstrate each Tuesday with two other amazing mediums, either Leslie Malone or Tyrone Cusack. And we do about 25 minutes of mediumship each. And then if there's time at the end, we do what we call a double link where two of us will tune into the one spirit communicator. And sometimes if there are three of us working on platform, we will do a triple link, which is always amazing as well. If you'd like to join us, please do go over to my website, anteato.com, A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O.com, and look under events, and you can pick up the Zoom link from there. And as I say, it's a free event, and everyone is welcome from across the globe. We'd love to see you. On to this week's podcast. My guest this week is psychic medium and published author, Kerry Alderuccio. In 2012, Kerry lost her beloved 19-year-old son, Sam, in a tragic car accident. Unable to accept that death was the final act of life, Kerry and her husband, Sergio, visited a medium six weeks after Sam's passing, and through the evidence that was given during that sitting, it was clear to both his parents that Sam's soul had not only survived his physical death, but was thriving in the spirit world. 
After this extraordinary sitting, Kerry began exploring the world of mediumship for herself. With the support of her family, Kerry joined a spiritual development circle in her hometown of Melbourne, Australia, and it was here that she discovered her own latent mediumistic abilities, which then took her to the UK, where she began studying mediumship at the world-renowned Arthur Findlay College. In this podcast episode, Kerry tells her story, questioning why mediumship is universally misunderstood and why its healing powers are often overlooked. She has written two incredible books. One is called A Mother's Journey, where she shares her experiences of the life, death and afterlife of her talented, charismatic son, Sam. A story of hope and of finding a way forward from despair. And a second incredible book entitled Demystifying Mediumship, where Kerry interviews 17 respected mediums from different countries around the world of different ages and backgrounds who each share their unique stories of how their mediumship journeys unfolded. Settle back in your chairs, get a refreshing drink or maybe the other way around, get a refreshing drink, settle back in your chair and enjoy this wonderful episode. And don't forget at the end, once you finish listening, if you've really enjoyed what you've heard, please, please do leave a written review on Apple Podcasts for me. Written reviews are so important for helping the podcast move up the podcast charts. Thank you in advance for leaving a written review for me. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited to introduce to you psychic medium and published author, Kerry Alderuccio. Kerry, welcome to Psychic Matters. Thank you very much, Anne. I'm so privileged to be here and yeah, I'm so happy. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show, Kerry, all the way from Australia. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what part are you in? At Melbourne. In Melbourne, Melbourne. Victoria, yes. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's the wonder of Zoom, isn't it, that we can have these conversations across the globe. It's just fabulous. Absolutely. Once we get the time zones uh, worked out, it works beautifully. That's right. And listen, Kerry, you've lived an incredibly interesting life. And as author of two books, I've been privileged to have a little peek into some of the incredible things that have happened to you in your lifetime, not least of which was the loss of your adored 19-year-old son, Sam. Thank you for writing those books and sharing your experiences. And I'm sure people are getting so much out of them. I've read some of the reviews of A Mother's Journey, which was your first book. And I've read some of the reviews on Amazon. And it's so touching to read about how it's touched people's hearts and lives. So where would you like to start telling us about your story here, Kerry? Um, I guess, and I, I wanted to write a book about our story, Sam's story as well, because it was um, something that, it, it, that you don't want anyone to have to go through. And having gone through the loss of a child, which is just horrific, I just wanted to share the way that I guess that we dealt, or or me in particular, how I dealt with Sam's passing. And much of the way that I dealt with the loss of Sam was my own belief 
that the afterlife was very real um, and very present in my own life. I'd always believed that. And this is well before I knew that I was a, a medium or a psychic. It was just a, a, a knowing. And from the time that Sam passed, from that very day, uh, I'd, I'd actually had a premonition the evening before that Sam, that something was going to happen that day and I just didn't know what it was. And I realised that the day that Sam passed was the 34th anniversary of the loss of my own father who died in a workplace accident when I was 18. And, um, and then later that day I um, tragically found out that Sam had also passed in a car, tragic car accident. So they were same date, 3rd of May, but 34 years apart. And, um, and I just, th that alone sort of turned on a switch for me, I guess. And, um, yeah, and I just decided to write a book to share how I dealt with my own grief and uh, as a result of that, how I discovered my own mediumship abilities. And it's mm. a beautifully written book, obviously. It's so from the heart and it follows your uh, your life from way before Sam was even conceived, uh, yes. all all the way up to the event that took him to the spirit world, and then the yes. events that happened afterwards in terms of you exploring mediumship and becoming a fully trained psychic medium yourself. So yes. you mentioned there about having a premonition on the day of Sam's passing. What was that like? That premonition. How did that manifest itself? Well, the, um, the night, the night before the accident, I I was working at a restaurant that we co-own in the city, and I came home late, went to bed, and I had a a very um, confronting dream that I was being led away from the laneway where the restaurant is in um, in Melbourne in the CBD. Uh, I was being led away by the police, and I was in tears. And I wasn't sure why I was in tears, but I just knew it was something very dramatic. And um, I woke up the next morning feeling very troubled by the dream. And then I put it down to I realised what the date was and I thought, oh, that's because it's Dad's anniversary. And because my dad died in a workplace accident, I was also told you know, the dreadful news by the police. And so I kind of put that connection down. But what what it did make me do as I was heading back into the restaurant at lunchtime that day, I, I phoned Sam, who had been say, staying at a friend's place that night, and we chatted and um, he was telling me his plans for the day and, you know, it was a lovely conversation, which we ended with, you know, love you, which we always did. And um, an hour and a half later, he, he wasn't here in, in this world anymore. So that's how it happened. Yeah. It's a most extraordinary story to have that premonition first and yes. then for those events to unfold in the way that they did. But how beautiful. I found that very beautiful that you and Sam managed to have this wonderful conversation before he passes to spirit. Yes. And it just felt like something I needed to, I just, I need to ring him like right now. And uh, what I know now about intuition and, and, uh, and psychic abilities, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just know that was my own soul telling me you need to contact him right now. Yeah. 
and, uh, and I did. And so what what happened then, Kerry? Are you able to tell us about uh, the accident well, itself? I, yes, I can. Um, I went to work as normal. It was a dreadful, wet, cold, rainy day in May, which is obviously our winter. And um, my brother-in-law actually rang me later after the lunch service, so at about 2.30 or something, to say, just to ask me, is everything all right? And I'm like, yes. And what was weird, he was ringing from America where he and his wife, Nadine, um, were on holidays. And he, Robert, my brother-in-law, said, look, the police have rung me because they're trying to get on to you guys. Um, they'd been around to our house and they had left their car at our house. So they traced Robert um, through the registration number and uh, Rob said, look, you, here's a number, you better ring them and, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully everything's okay. And I rang the number and then I was sort of sent around, you know, passed on and one of the policemen said, oh, have you heard something on the media about the accident or something? And I'm like, no. And he's like, oh. And uh, then I finally was put on to someone who wouldn't give me any information at all and they just wanted to know where they could find me and they needed to see me in person. And uh, I knew then that um, something terrible had happened because, you know, if it, if, if it wasn't a, a passing, they would have just given me information. And sure enough, um, my, my husband, Sergio, um, he had a call as well. He was brought to the laneway by a friend. Our daughter, Carla, was also um, brought to the laneway where the restaurant is by another friend. And the police arrived and took us upstairs and gave us the hideous news. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something you just don't want any parent or anyone to go through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm just listening to you tell that story. I just, I can almost see those events unfolding in my mind's eye and, and my heart constricts and I feel cold inside because it's yeah. every, every parent, every person's um, nightmare, isn't it, for a series of events like this to unfold in their life? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is, truly. And uh, the police were amazing, um, you know, in, in what they did and, and how they did it. Yeah, so, you know hats off to them really yeah to hold you in that as gentle a space they could under those circumstances yeah okay and so as I understand it from the from your beautifully written book Sam was in a car with two other young people and all three of them passed at the same time through an impact Um, and so that was that must have been very very difficult for all of those families. Did you all come together, all of those families, to help each other? We did. Um, yes, we did. And um, we didn't know one of the families and we knew uh, we knew one uh, but not the other. And we did all come together. And for the first anniversary of the boys' passing, we actually had a, um, a huge, I want to say huge, a sort of a, a, a large picnic private picnic for about 100 people just down the road from the site and we all released a balloon and planted a, a new tree where the other one had been removed, yeah. Yeah, that was a beautiful thing to do and wonderful that the whole community has come together because everybody was in shock, obviously. Um, yes. at, 
but everybody pulled together, came together and celebrated those three young people, which is a really beautiful thing. Yes, it was. And I know through doing that, it surprised a lot of people, the young ones, I think in particular, the way we all handled it, but it helped so many of them because after that, then we all went to one of the hotels that we um, and we all just celebrated their lives. And, and I know that that not only helped all of us, but the young ones because they realised that they could open up and talk to us as adults because even though they were still only 18, 19-year-olds uh, and Carla's friends were, you know, two years older than that, they were very much, um, you know, adults that had to grow up very quickly. Yeah, of course. And Kerry, this terrible event that happens in your life, obviously you have to come to terms with your own grief and that takes a lifetime, I think, to live alongside. How did you come to put it all in a book? How did you decide that I'm going to write a book? And how did your mediumship unfold through this situation? Because I understand from reading your book that mediumship wasn't part of your life, although you did feel a psychic leaning for for a lot of your time. Yes. Um, I guess... When right from childhood, I we often hear these stories, and and I don't want to sound generic, but I guess I was one of those children as well that that felt sort of a presence in the room, in the bedroom, saw shadows and things. But I never, uh, never bothered me. I wasn't worried about it. I didn't. I felt people sit on the end of my bed, and I was never frightened. So, um, and I never mentioned it to my sister or my parents. And when dad passed when I was 18 and he was only 48, I I just knew that he still lived on and the whole concept of going to the graveyard and so on, I just, I hated going because, and I I would go, but it's like, well, dad's actually not there. He's like right here with me. So I always had that understanding and right from the time that Sam passed, even that very same day when we got home from the police station and our house started to fill up with people from every, you know, or friends and family and so on, I could still feel his, his very presence. I could just feel it. And, and that never went away. And um, But once again, I couldn't tell Sergio or my daughter Carla because what would I actually say to them because I I didn't know what was happening myself but I knew it was a a good thing and one of the strange things that was happening was whenever Sam's friends were coming over to visit we had a big old Victorian house with about seven lights in the kitchen dining area and whenever his mates were coming over to visit us just after his passing they'd always text to say, is it okay? And we're like, yes, absolutely. And I'd put those lights on at dusk because it was still winter, obviously. And two or three of the light globes would blow every single time that Sam's mates were coming, but only in that area. And over a, over a course of about four or five months, we went through about 40 light globes in that area every time Sam's mates would come. So for me, I'm, I was just not knowing what was happening, but I just knew it was all... some sort of a communication with Sam. Serge wanted to get an electrician in. I'm like, that's fine, but it's it's not related to... Anyway, I just kind of... And and then he kind of came to accept it as well. So then I ended up 
Googling a name of a person. I had no idea what I was even looking for. And um, I wanted to talk to other people who maybe knew what was happening for me. And the lady's name came up as Tony Riley. Um, and strangely enough, Tony's been here this afternoon for lunch. Uh, she's down from Queensland. So I've caught up with her today and we've had a terrific day. And I ended up signing up for a six-week course you know, at a circle. I didn't even know what it was or what they were going to do, but I paid six weeks in advance and off I went. And I found myself with a group of beautiful women, all strangers, who I then learned to tap into my own psychic abilities. I saw tarot cards for the first time, used a pendulum for the first time. But the amazing thing was that all of these things worked for me. I could read tarot cards. I could use a pendulum. I could do all of those things. And I remember after about, a, um, I'd been there about six months and I said to Tony, um, you're a medium, because I knew there was a difference, but I, you know, I wasn't really sure. And um, she said that, I said, how did you find out about mediumship? And she said, Arthur Findlay College. And I said, where's that? And she said, England. And I just knew that I was going to go there as well. But um, just backing up from that, um, six weeks after Sam's passing, I decided to go and see a medium because my sister-in-law had been to see one and I had no idea what they actually did or what would transpire. And I, once again, I but I wanted to have my own medium. I didn't want to go to where she'd gone. Something just told me intuitively to go to someone new, someone unknown. And I made an appointment, found a lady, pardon me, on Google. And uh, my husband, Sergio, was a bit sceptical. And he said, can I come with you? I said, absolutely. And uh, the medium just knew my first name as Kerry. And I just rang her back, said, look, my husband come. No names were mentioned. And off we went. And um, before we went to the uh, mediumship uh, reading, we'd been to a grief counselling session that morning that the Traffic Accident Commission here have, which I, the lady was beautiful, but I absolutely hated the session because it was just all about moving on with your life and dealing with grief, but there was no mention of the spirit world or afterlife or the fact that they live on. And, and I just found that so horrendous. And I just sobbed through the whole thing and I couldn't wait to leave. And when we got to the medium, I'd already spoken to Sam that morning, to, as I do every day. And I explained to him, you know, dad and I are off to see a medium, have no idea who, what, she'll going, what she's going to do. But I said, can you please be there and communicate with us? And I remember even giving him her physical address, you know, such and such a number, this street, this suburb. Sounds ridiculous now that I know how mediumship works. But we arrived and this wonderful, you know, suburban looking middle-aged lady was there and we sat down and her opening words were, she, well, she said, there's been a spirit waiting here all morning, which never happens. So Sam was very obedient. He did what mum asked and he went when I spoke to him. And she said, I know that you're a mum grieving the loss of your son aged between 18 and 20. And Sam was 19. So that was, you know, amazing, amazing. And uh, Sam came through with all of this wonderful information. And she also said, your dad was there to meet him, which was incredible, and that Sergio's mum was also there to, to meet him too. So 
yeah, great. It That's was, amazing. Was How beautiful as well that the, that your father was there because they passed on the same day. So that was really significant. It was beautiful, yeah. But the important thing was too, Anne, after we left the reading and Sergio was blown away and I said to him, if I came home and told you, you know, all of these things, what would you think? And he said, well, I think I'd probably have you certified because um, he, thought, he, he thought it was madness for me to tell him that, but he said, I can't deny what I've just experienced myself. So, it, you know, he said, I've just, you know, I've, I have no words, but I, I um, don't understand it, but I can't deny what I've just experienced. So, so that was great as well. So I've always had his support uh, as a result of that um, because he's, he experienced it firsthand as well. I think also experiencing something like that, it's not just about the evidence that a medium can give, but it's also about the feeling where you can really feel that spirit person come so close to you in that session. It's about the yeah. communion of the spirit world, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And and the healing, um, I left, um, her name is Lorraine Culross, and she's also in my, in my new book. I left that reading a, a different person. I left grief counselling in tears. I left Lorraine's, um, you know, mediumship reading, feeling elated and uh, that there was so much hope in my heart and, and I just knew that a whole new world was just opened up for me. The door was thrown open. Yeah, It's just beautiful. What a beautiful experience. Yeah, it was. And so what happened then, Kerry? So you've gone to see this beautiful medium. You've had this wonderful experience, you and Sergio. What happens next? Well, I continued with my circle and uh, typical of me, I also immediately went home, Googled Arthur Findlay College, promptly made a booking for as early as I could in the year. But I, I found dates that actually fell between Sergio's birthday on the 14th of February and Sam's birthday, which is the 13th of March. So I found two courses back to back that fell in, uh, in line there and um, also allowed me enough time to have a bit of a holiday in the UK, uh, in um, catching up with friends and also catching up with friends in Dubai. And I'd mentioned to a, an old friend of mine from kindergarten and primary school that I was, um, she, I noticed on Facebook that she was studying mediumship and I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. And we had lost contact since we were 12 and she contacted me, contacted me and said, would you like company at the college when I told her? And I said, why not? And I remember then telling Surgeon Carla, look, I've booked into the college. I'm off to England. And they were like, oh, you know, you know, hope mum's, you know, not losing the plot. Um, and I said, no, no, it's fine. I'm going with my friend Sandra. And they're like, who's Sandra? And I said, look, I went to um, primary and kinder school, um, kindergarten with her. And they're like, oh, no. Um, because we literally had not seen one another since we were 12. And I'm, and at that point I was uh, 55. <laughs> so, um, but we both went. It was a meant to be. We had a fantastic time and we were both in the right classes with the right tutors. It was absolutely incredible, yeah. And, and it was there that I was actually put to the test and discovered that, yes, I did have mediumistic abilities as well as the psychic ones, which I knew that I had. Yeah, it was a game changer. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And didn't you get a reading from somebody while you were there as well? Janet Parker gave me a beautiful, beautiful reading. And Brenda Lawrence gave me a beautiful healing one evening as well. But Sam also, yes, he definitely came through in in the reading. And it was just beautiful. And then my second week there, I had a beautiful reading with Colin Bates as well. And uh, Sam and Dad and my grandparents and everyone came through at that one. And I was with a wonderful medium, Thelma Francis, a Scottish woman. And that was the first time I'd ever stood up to do demonstrating. And um, she was looking for a volunteer. And um, I certainly wasn't going to volunteer because I'd barely seen it done. And I just found my hand just shot up in the air, um, sort of hung there, <laughs> and I didn't do it. But um, I'm like, oh, no. And she's like, wonderful, come on up. And I went up because I had no choice. And she's like, have you done much of this? And I'm like, I've never done this before in my life. I've barely seen it done. And she said, oh, this will be interesting in her lovely Scottish accent. But it was incredible. I could just do the reading and I could, I brought through a child. Um, Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And I've never looked back really. That's so beautiful. So you went and you did this wonderful course at the Arthur Finney College. You had all these incredible experiences where I know you sat in class and Sam came through a few times with different messages from different people that we always have exercises when we go to the Arthur Finney College where we work in pairs and there's a medium and a recipient and and we we practice. And I know Sam came through several times uh, as you say in your book. (laughs) Sam was incredibly enthusiastic about the whole thing. Amazing. Yeah. And so in other ways, since then um, and since his passing, there have been other ways that he has made his presence felt, not just by the 40 light bulbs that have blown, (laughs) um, but other ways. Tell us about those other ways that Sam has made his presence known to you. Yes. Um, Now, I don't want to sound sort of whimsical or generic, but we often hear about feathers, but but with Sam, he has been prolific with feathers. But the importance of when the feathers come, it, it, it's always on an occasion, a birthday, an anniversary, or somewhere where we just don't have anything that's feathered down or whatever, and, and it'll be in, in an enclosed room. For example, when I first um, landed in London and uh, Sandra and I were staying in a lovely hotel in Paddington, and I sat my leather bag down, black leather bag on the white doona, and I just sat it there and turned, was watching it, and six inches above the bag, this little feather just manifested and started floating down, and I I couldn't say anything because I was so shocked, and Sandra happened to turn around at that very minute and watching it drop, and I won't say what she said, but it was a four-letter word, and um, it landed on my bag, and I you know, was holding it. So I had something tangible. And this is wintertime in London. All the windows are shut. We'd just arrived there. My watch had also stopped on the plane going over. Like he's great at, I don't even wear watches anymore because they just don't work. And ever since then, there's just this prolific um, supply of feathers, um, which is just amazing. Be, at Arthur Findlay, that particular stay, I'd get dressed each morning in something new. My clothes were in the wardrobe and there'd be a feather stuck on a sleeve or the front of me or an arm or something 
just each day. It was amazing, yeah. And that's continued now. They'll just be wherever and, yeah, on special occasions. It's beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I notice in your logo on your website, you have two feathers in your name. So that's really beautiful. I, I loved that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's um, quite symbolic, I think, of, of Sam and, and for a lot of people, but certainly for us. And Sergio now gets them as well. And he'll he now recognises them for what they are. You know, they might be on his desk or by his desk, um, but even not his desk at home, his desk at his office, you know, like just incredible places, yeah. Amazing. And talk to me about Carla, your beautiful daughter and Sam's sister. What about Carla? Has she sensed Sam since he's passed? Does she have any feeling that he's around her as well? Um, It's an interesting question. Carla, I think the jury is out um, to a degree about mediumship because it's all just a little bit full on, I guess, or or too left of field or it's something because she's never grown up with it. This is something that that mum adopted, you know, at 55. So Carla was she was 20, almost 21 when Sam passed. So she she did say to me um, one evening that she was really disappointed that Sam didn't send her feathers as well because she was aware of, of, you know, me getting them and Serge getting them. And I said to her, well, darling, you don't like birds. And I don't know why she doesn't like birds, but she just she's a real animal lover, but she's got this fear of birds. And I said, so if you got feathers everywhere, you'd hate it because you don't. And she said, that's true. And then she opened up to me and she said that she was given these little um, elephants, tiny little elephants, about two inches tall, very heavy and quite abstract shape when Sam passed. A very dear friend, Sue Renkin, gave those to Carla. And um, Carla, apparently, I wasn't aware that where she'd kept them, but she had them on a, uh, a dresser at, at her house that she shares with her boyfriend, Paul. And she then opened up and she said that the elephant that she called Sam kept moving forward. And, and I was very intrigued. And I'm like, what do you mean moving forward? She said, well, I've got them facing one another, but the one on the left, Sam, keeps moving forward to the point he's about to drop off the dresser and I keep pushing it back. She said, mine goes nowhere. And then he's continually comes forward. So that was Sam's way of communicating with Carla and she actually believes that that, you know, and she gets it. But to prove it, she's jumping up and down in front of the dresser. She's pushing a door against it, doing all of these things, um, but realising that nothing can move this heavy little elephant and it's only ever that one that moves forward. That's a and, beautiful story. That's that's very interesting yeah. as well. And I love the fact that Carla has looked at this from a scientific viewpoint, tried to work out what, you know, other re- any other reason why, and that's where. Yes. Yeah. yeah, to make it believable, feasible or whatever. But the other interesting thing, if I might um, share with you, I had a lovely reading with Lynn Parker um, at the college and uh, Lynn was doing this reading and, and she was connecting, communicating with Sam and it was a lovely communication. And then she said, oh, um, Sam's showing me these this little, this he showed me this object. I don't know what it is. And she said, "What's? Um, you don't have armadillos in Australia, do you?" And I'm like, "No." She said, um, "But she said it's it's like it's really hard, like um, a shell, like an armadillo." And she said, 
what does a wombat look like? And I said, well, they're really solid, and but they're furry. She's like, no, it hasn't got fur, but it's really fol- solid. And she could see this image, but she couldn't work it out. And she said, look, I won't dwell there. I'll keep moving with the reading. And then it was only about a week later when I got back from England that, that Carla told, shared her story. And I took a photo of the little abstract elephant and I sent it to Lynn and I said, is this what you were seeing, this? that Because it was very abstract. She said, yes, that's the image. So that's what she was getting from Sam and that was Sam trying to get to me, like that's what I'm doing for Carla, but it was, yeah, but it all came together about a week later. Oh, that's beautiful. That's such a great yeah. story. That's really yeah. lovely. Lynn was, Lynn was wrapped as well because she could not make out what this thing was and great for her to then learn it was actually the the abstract elephant. Yeah, that's fantastic because sometimes as mediums we, we do get this information and the recipient can't take it or don't understand it and it is great yeah. to have that validated. Absolutely. Yes, it is. Yeah. And Sam has come to you in the dream state. Tell me about that. Yes, uh, yeah, a number of times. The first dream was we were just having dinner and it was all very normal and the four of us were around the table and it just felt so natural that Sam was there. But the incredible thing was Sam was wearing a T-shirt and it had the infinity symbol on it, the forever symbol, and then the, the dream sort of finished after not long. There wasn't a lot of talking or anything. It was just very much, I, I believe, him to coming through to show his presence with the infinity symbol of I'm here forever, you know, it's it's I haven't gone anywhere. And that really showed me the next morning when I woke up, it was a true memory because, it, and I can still remember it so clearly today, whereas with dreams they're just they can be so fantastic, but you can't actually remember what happened or explain them to anyone. But that particular dream, I, I can. And there's there's been others as well where he's just he'll just appear, and it's just he's just a part wanting to show he's a part of our life very much, which is beautiful. yeah, that's beautiful. It is. And when our loved ones come to us in a dream state, I think those dreams can linger with us for a very long time because they move you so much. They do, yeah. And I believe they are actual then memories and that's why we remember them differently. Yeah. And so you've put all of this experience that you've had, it's a beautiful tribute to Sam, your book. It's a beautiful tribute to you as a mother, not just to Sam, but to Carla and as a wife to Sergio and as a member of your community. Everybody's in here in this book. It's called A Mother's Journey a story of everlasting love and evidence of life after death. Where can people buy this book, Kerry? That book is available on my website, which is www.kerry, which is K-E-R-R-Y, Alderuccio, A-L-D-E-R-U-C-C-I-O.com. It's also, A Mother's Journey is also available on Amazon. Um, It's widely available in independent bookstores all over America. It's also with W, is it WH Smith in the UK? Yes. Okay. Waterstones and Blackwells. It's also with Walmart in America, Barnes and Noble. But the best website in America to go for for the independent bookstores is www, sorry, indie, ind, i.e. bound.org 
or um, in a, also in the, the UK, you can buy it at Arthur Findlay College as well, as well as at the other places that I mentioned, yeah. Gosh, I didn't it's, think you'd ever have your book on the shelf at the Arthur Finney College. Yeah, it's, uh, that I've sold a lot of books there, yeah, which is wonderful. And I'm so grateful that they allowed me to do that, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. All of the links that you've just mentioned will be in the transcript of this podcast. And I will put them under a separate section on the show notes on my website. So people can go there and pick up all the information and they will be led to your books where they are for sale. Uh, but but your book, A Mother's Journey, Kerry, is just such a beautiful story to help people with their own personal grief. Do you want to just say a little bit about it and how you feel it might help those who read it? Yes. Um, it was very much written as a book of hope because after Sam passed, I tried to buy books that actually gave me hope, but I couldn't find anything. Uh, they just didn't seem to exist. Everything was about dealing with grief and, and the fact that they've gone and move on and, you know, and that wasn't in my belief uh, structure at all. So um, that's why I wrote it because I wanted to give other parents hope and other people hope that, that life is eternal and if we maybe change the way that we think about a passing um, and, and when that we don't dismiss all of those wonderful little what ifs, did, did I just see something, hear something, feel something? It's just to give people hope that, that their own loved ones may be trying to connect with them, uh, which indeed I know that they are, and, and just to give them an understanding that they will reunite with their loved ones later on and that just keep talking to them, just keep including them, um, celebrate their birthdays, celebrate their lives, don't, you know, not not talk about them. And I, I've had so, heard so many stories with people that they fail, they just stop talking about that person and they don't, it's almost like they don't exist. I mean, I still, if anyone has known Sam well, on every birthday card, Christmas card or whatever, I do love, you know, Kerry, Sergio, Carla and Sam too because he's a part of our family and always will be. If they've never met him, I don't do that because that would be a little strange. But I've definitely A Mother's Journey is a book of hope and I've had so many random, excuse me, strangers contact me telling me that they were sent it or they bought it um, and how much it's changed their way of thinking and their ability to now cope. And particularly when they've been receiving, whether it be feathers or, you know, butterflies, coins, what all of these things that sound so whimsical and generic, but they are real. They, they now look at those things in a different light. And I, I just, I feel great that I've actually been able to do that. Yeah, you should feel great. You should feel amazing. I mean, it's a horrible experience that you've, it's, it's a tragic and terrible experience that you've gone through losing your son. But by going through that and understanding it and, and, working out how mediumship works and exploring that whole journey you have and Sam both of you together have helped so many people in the world and will continue to do so by those words that you've written yes, by that absolutely. support that that book gives to people yes yeah and and, and that makes I, I regard it very much as our book yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And not only that, you didn't just stop there, Kerry, did you? Because you, you've gone on to write a second book called oh. De- Demystifying Mediumship, What Makes a Medium. Tell us, Kerry, about this second book that you've written. And has it's just come out, hasn't it? It hasn't been out too long, this one. Yeah, it's, it's brand new. It came out on the 1st of November. When COVID uh, first hit, you know, the worldwide, So last uh, April, I knew that I needed a project because I couldn't have um, I couldn't have my um, be doing normal readings here at home like I normally do, and I just knew that we were kind of I needed something for the long haul, but I wanted to write another book because I do enjoy the process of writing, but I didn't know what it was going to be about. So I a few I had a few thoughts because a lot of people said to me that I you know, they'd meet me and if they found out I was a medium, they're like, you don't look like a medium. And um, I often wondered what we're supposed to look like. So that prompted a thought. And then I meditated, set set an intention, what should I write this next book about? And when I came out of the meditation and wrote in my journal, I really, I just sort of basically said, you need to speak to other mediums to find out how they discovered their own abilities and share their own stories. So that's what I did. I um, decided to contact uh, a number of mediums and thankfully 17 wonderful, wonderful mediums from five countries, different ages, different sexes, different backgrounds, all agreed to be a part of it. And each chapter tells a story in the life of those mediums, doesn't it? Correct. It's it's really a series of, uh, I share more of a I do share some more of my story at the beginning. So for anyone that hasn't read A Mother's Journey, they will have an understanding of where I'm coming from. But you can certainly read the two books independently. But if you've read A Mother's Journey, it's a lovely follow-on extension, as it were. And then I talk about what mediumship is in the most simple of terms so that anyone can read it and understand what mediumship is and certainly what it isn't. And then each chapter, as you said, Anne, is basically a mini biography of 17 different people. And I didn't know what they were going to share with me. I did give them a questionnaire and then I interviewed them all and um, recorded the interviews and then transcribed it all and then wrote it all as if they were writing it. And so it was a real process that took 18 months. Some of them, a couple of them did write their own stories and then we tweaked those. But I I was amazed what they shared, so many open and really, really, really personal things. So I was very, uh, so humbled by, by that. And I was also so grateful for Anne-Marie Bond from London, who I believe has been on your program in the past. Yes, that's right. Incredible medium, a wonderful person. And she allowed me to use um, some of her beautiful spirit art paintings um, on the on the front cover. So I'm so grateful for her for that as well. Well, it makes for fascinating reading because I know quite a few of the mediums in here, not personally, but I know I, I've heard of a lot of them. I'd love to study with a lot of them as well. So you've got um, Paul Jacobs, Adam Berry, uh, Angie Morris, Sharon Harvey, Amory Bond, as you just said, etc, etc. So many of them in here. You mentioned Lorraine Coolross, the, the lady that you first went to, Tony Riley, who you had uh, uh, lunch with lunch today with <laughs> yeah and all of their biographies are in there and each one of them 
is really inspiring because as you read them, you see how difficult people's lives have been and the challenges that everybody's had to overcome uh, yes. and, the, and the difficult lives and what led them to mediumship and how it works. Exactly. And everyone, there's not one story that is the same. And, and that's what I found just quite amazing. And we're talking about people from, you know, five different countries. And, and for some of those people there, that's not even their country of birth. So you can probably include about eight different countries of, of where people are from. And, and every story is different. But at the end of the day, they all discovered that they had this wonderful, wonderful ability, um, which happens to be mediumship. And uh, they openly share what they've done with it or what they haven't done with it. Yeah, which is great. It's it's a brilliant book, Kerry, another brilliant book. And people can buy this in the same places as the is your first book or different places? Yes, they can. It's available internationally as well, um, once again, through, um, yeah, just the Google the name of the book it's on amazon all over as well yeah on and on um the other links but it's available everywhere yeah which is wonderful and i was looking at your beautiful website just before we came on this podcast um i was looking at it again and you've got a section on there called i think it's called awake tv is that correct yes 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 Talk to people listening a little bit about that, because I think it would be wonderful if people went over to your website and took a little look at those films, the short films that you've got on there. So tell us a little bit about that, Kerry, if you wouldn't mind. Yes. Um, late uh, 2019 and into 2020, I was invited to be involved in a 12-week it was the first season of the Awake TV. It was, it's an online uh, TV network from San Diego in America. And I was able to present 12 30-minute TV shows live, which is a bit daunting, weekly. And I called it uh, Lifting the Veil to the Afterlife. And so each week I would talk about you know, different aspects of whether it be mediumship or psychic abilities or seeing signs and messages or a whole bunch of different topics. And yeah, and I, it was it was fantastic to be a part of that. And it, it all just, you know, worked brilliantly. And yes, you can see those uh, on my website. If they won't open there, you might have to join. Um, you, there's a You can do a, a free week trial if you don't want to join the Awake network f- full on. But, um, yes, they can all be w- seen there by yeah, going in. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're so informative, all of them, and you explain things so clearly. And it's fas- I found it fascinating. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, I, I really enjoyed it. It, it was quite daunting uh, to do the show because you're – talking to yourself really um for half an hour (laughs) but um yeah the feedback was fantastic so I was wrapped so yeah thank you yeah it's brilliant I I highly recommend everybody goes over there so what is your website Kerry it's uh www.kerry k-e-r-r-y elderuccio which is a-l-d-e-r-u-c-c-i-o dot com Thanks, Kerry. So tell us, before we finish up, there's a couple of things I'm sure people who listen to this podcast who are new to mediumship might like to know. And it's often a question I still consider, even though I'm also working as a professional psychic medium. And that is, where do we go 
when we pass to the spirit world? And what do we do when we're there? It's a great question. I firmly believe that that we go on and 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 do other things. Um, I, I really don't believe that we're just hanging about, as it were. And and I do believe that as certain spirits cross, that they may not be as comfortable being in the afterlife. And I you know I, I do believe that we offer help when I say we once we've crossed over. Um, and I just feel that that there are other things that we do. And I and I do believe that we can come and go wherever we wish to go and do so many things with our own energy, which is obviously all that we are at that point. But I, I think that there's they do tend to try and continue to teach us from that side. And and I, I just believe that that's a, a role that, that, you know, I guess mediums will have, but people in general just wanting to, to help. I, I have a visual of what it looks like and it's a visual of so many combined beautiful scenes everything from water to waterfalls to once again it sounds a bit whimsical but you know it's a mess of everything rainbows and you know um whatever you care to imagine and I think anything at all is possible there but you know who knows until I actually get there yeah it's true who knows until we actually get there but those images that you've just spoken of that's exactly how I see it as well and it is like a a mishmash of so many different things and that our energy can carry us places in an instant wherever we we want to be. And I I do feel that we can come very close here to the consciousness of, uh, of the, the, the the living. That's that's absolutely. And the, the the constant thing that I've always uh, received and from any spirit contact that I've had over the years is there's no one is ever distressed on that side. And that's, that's a really comforting thing, even if they've had a stressful life here. And I've had a lot of spirit um, communicators come through who've taken their own life. And I'm aware of that um, through the reading, because that's what I'm receiving from them. But once they are on that side, there is this peace that it's, it's, it's almost like it was an escape of a life that they couldn't endure. And um, and I think that for anyone who has had a, um, a loved one pass by their own hand, as it were, uh, is, is very comforting to know that on the other side it, it is, it is a, it's a relief because the pressures of, of life and living are no longer present in the spirit world. That's beautifully put, Kerry. And what about someone who might have had a, a difficult passing, a stressful passing? How, how, you know, some people here might be thinking, oh, goodness, my loved one really suffered. Um, how, how, what, what would you say about that for people to bring them some element of comfort? I don't know um, about you, Anne, but when, when I do readings, I can often feel how they pass and, and I'm able to feel those sensations. And I'm able to feel that you know that it was a traumatic passing through a a long illness or whatever it might be, but there's always without fail the moment that the release happens when when their soul disengages from the physical body and, and is released into the afterlife, there's this wonderful freedom. And so regardless of the trauma or the, the lead up to the death, it's, it is once they are released, um, it's beautiful. So 
I, I guess that's the only hope that I can give is that, um, you know, it, it's the, the traumatic part is, is not ongoing. I totally agree with you, Kerry, and you've explained that really, really well. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. And what about some parents who who are desperate to hear from their children in the spirit world? You, when you first went to a medium, Sam was very, very present for you and you had a very, very positive, beautiful experience. Not everyone will have that, but they have the same amount of need. What can you say to parents like that or people like that who are missing their loved ones who don't come through? Yeah. I whenever I begin a session, I always explain to my sitter or or sitters sometimes that it's it's beyond my control who comes through. I'm I'm just the, the middle person as it were. Uh, on the bridge, and I can't make a, a certain um, communicator come through. But prior to their arrival, I also do meditate and ask that whoever wishes to communicate with the people who are coming for the sitting, can they please make their presence felt? But that's the best I can do. But I've rarely, if ever, actually had a situation where their loved one does not come through. They may not be the first one to come through, but they might come second or third or sometimes when I just know that they're waiting on someone else, I I just know it in the person's, because obviously you don't know what, you don't ask anything, so you don't know who they're expecting. But I, I just sense that it's I haven't got the right person and I'll say to them, I know there's someone else and they'll say, yes, there is actually. And then I'll just say, look, can I just have an, a first name if, if nothing's happening and they'll give me a first name and then usually it's like, bang, there they are. And then you can then go on and understand what the relationship was um, in in life and then the evidence starts to flow. But for whatever reason, they're not there straight up, but they'll come later um, I don't know whether they've never come through before maybe and and I'm sure it's difficult for the spirit world too when they do their first um you know contact it's it's it doesn't you know they'd be just as perplexed as as the sitter in many ways and I think we forget that yeah I think we do forget that Kerry that they are also doing their part in trying to um communicate that's right. Us. It's like playing charades in a way, um, but you know, it, it, it's we don't understand the rules, so it, it, you know, it can be hard for them as well. But but the intelligence of the spirit world, as we know, is just amazing what they can and do get across. And so, for those people who don't necessarily want to go and train to be a medium, but they would like to have some deeper connection with their loved ones in the spirit world, what can you offer as advice to people like that who just want to? be closer to their loved ones in spirit yeah I I say this to all of the people that come to see me like you don't need me every time to communicate you can just sit quietly and and I usually do ask them at the end of the reading have they or, or if it comes up during the reading where I know that they felt their loved ones around them because um, I just know that and then they'll say yes I have but I didn't know what it was um, I actually talk them through it what it feels like to when a, when an energy is close and I use the example 
of putting, shutting my eyes and putting my hand close to my face. And, you know, even though my eyes are closed, I can't see anything, but I know there's something nearby. And I use that example for them so that, you know, they might, they'll just feel a change in the energy around them. It might get hot, it might get cold, but the point is not to, to worry about it and just to, to speak to them, either speak um, in your mind telepathically or out loud and, and just communicate whatever it is that you want to share with them and then just sit quietly and then often some words will just drop in and it's like, oh, wow, that's, I, wanted, I needed to hear that or that's the answer because that's as good as it's going to get. And that's what I also explain to people. It is so subtle and not to expect clear, concise messages, but just to allow themselves to surrender to the possibilities and trust in whatever they receive. And if they do that with a bit of practice, they'll get some absolute magic from it. See, I think that's really good advice because there's something in us that wants the spirit world to say huge long sentences to us with very specific information and then we think right that's that (laughs) that's not how it works at all it's so very subtle it is and we have to and that's why I try and make all of my clients mindful so that they don't have expectations that can never be met yeah I think that's important. A few things that, you know, the basic rules of communication. Yeah, I think that's lovely. I think that's really well put. And and so, Kerry, my final question to you is, how has your relationship with Sam changed now? When he was here, he was a 19-year-old young man um, full of dreams and hopes for his life on the earth plane. And now he's over in the spirit world, still the same beautiful soul. But your relationship with him has obviously changed in the way that you communicate. My father's in the spirit world. When my father was here on earth, um, we got on very well. He was a lovely father, but there were things, it was it was difficult at times. He didn't know so much about me. And I feel him very close from the spirit world. My relationship with my father has changed enormously since he's been in the spirit world in that we're very, very close. I can tell him things. I sense his presence around all the time. I talk to him. And so I put it to you. How has your relationship with Sam changed? It's a, it's, it's a great question. And um, I was very lucky. I... I, I always had an amazing relationship with Sam and and I assumed naively that that was the relationship that most mothers had with their sons because I have exactly the same relationship with Carla, incredibly close, incredibly open. And um, when um, people have read my book and they're like, you guys, you, you know, you were so close and Sam would even you know, like I took Sam away on a holiday when he was just 16. The two of us went because Carla was doing her last year of high school, so my husband stayed home with her. I could see no point in all of us missing out on an overseas trip, so Sam and I went, and we went off to Disneyland and New York and Vegas and San Francisco, and people said, what did you do with a 16-year-old? And I'm like, what do you mean? And I couldn't understand because we actually, Sam and I got one another. You know, we always, we'd laugh, we'd have fun, we'd do things. And I was, I guess, one of those mums that was 
probably a bit open, like if he wanted to have a beer at 15, we, you know, we'd do that. I wasn't strict in those ways. I guided him as best I could and we, and so we had, and our house was always the party house. Uh, we had the swimming pool and the billiard table and, you know, at, at our home a party was never sort of uh, thought to be a success by the kids' view and unless the police shut it down, which I know sounds terrible, but that's for the noise. Um, you know, we were that house, the annoying house. I always had a wonderful, wonderful relationship with Sam and we would just talk and do things together. So in many ways our relationship is just a continuation of that but I do know, I feel his support in so many ways because my life was, you know, heading off in one direction and now I'm gone in a completely different direction at a middle age. But I know there's still so many other things I want to do and I know he's cheering me on every single step of the way to, to be that, you know, just do what I, I want to do, what feels right in terms of my mediumship, my writing, my sharing of my, what I know, I guess my uh, untrained counselling of other parents and those sorts of things. I just know that he loves it that I actually do that because that has come through in so many readings from random strangers at the college in particular where they just say he's so proud of all the stuff you're doing and they don't even know what I am doing. I'm a stranger to them. So, you know, for me that's amazing validation. But our relationship was always strong and now it's just stronger. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful and fabulous to hear. And so what is next for you, Kerry? What are you up to next? <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've sort of put myself in a corner that I will be writing a new book because I applied to go on a writer's retreat this July uh, in in France, which is uh, wonderful, and I was accepted to go on that retreat. Um, so I need to have a, a decent-sized manuscript ready by April. But what that will be, I don't know. Um, so I'm going to meditate and I will put, uh, put it out there. What do I need to write about? But I think this time I'll write something that's not mediumship related I'd like to write I don't know what I want to write but it could just be a fictional novel I don't know but I just feel that um you know I'm 62 now but I just think you just ages you know inconsequential just keep traveling writing doing whatever so yeah I've got I mean lots of exciting things I'm due back at Arthur Findlay College in June I'm hoping that it's open so I'll do that and then head off to France in July and I'll be away from Australia for nine weeks on this trip and just holidaying and seeing people and loving life in the middle yeah gosh it's nine weeks away from your husband what will he say about that well, no, he's going on a cycling trip in Italy for um, a few weeks and then we'll catch up at the end of that. We'll have two weeks in Italy as well. And then he'll come home and then I'll go to France. So, Fabulous. Yes. I have yeah. to say, I think time away from a partnership is very, very, very healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a very, very strong marriage. We've been married for over 31 years. Uh, I've actually known him for 50 years um, this next month. And we do a lot of things independently because it works. You know, I'm not a cyclist. He is. So he rides overseas every year. I study overseas every year. Um, it's great. Yeah, it works well. And then we catch up. Yeah, you spoke about that at the beginning of your book, A Mother's Journey, and you talked about how you were members of the Harley Davidson group. <laughs> yes, Hog. Hog. Um, Hog. Yes. Um, when we were in our late 20s, uh, before we got married, 
Uh, we were riding Serge's Harley Davidson. I was on the back, obviously. And this is obviously uh, this was something where I got a little psychic warning. I had a bag strapped across my body, and we were just sort of getting into a bit of a trance on the motorbike. But the strap of the bag broke, and I managed to catch it before it fell. And I said to Serge, "Oh, you know, I nearly lost my bag." And he slowed. He's sort of listening to me, and so it brought him back into the real world. And five seconds later, we see a car in ahead of us turning and then he panicked and stopped in the middle of the road and Serge just managed to get the motorbike around the back of the car that was a farm ute actually but our left legs didn't make it and they both went snap snap on the way past and um, we both had really bad um, leg injuries um my, I had a um, compound fracture of the femur, so my bone was through my genes. Um, Serge had a broken hip, broken lower leg, and and um, I was chopped away in a police ambulance and so on. Um, so we both had eight operations between us, and my leg was all plated, and Serge then got gangrene on his leg. And Anyway, a long story, but we still were fine now. We um, get around. We've got great scars, great <laughs> party stories. But, um, yeah, so we survived it. But I honestly believe the breaking of that bag was a warning from my guides or whoever you need to be present here, something's going to happen. And sure enough, it, it, it did, yeah. Yeah, goodness. And you explain that in, in the book, that whole story is in the book, and I found that really fascinating because you had to go through so much, both of you, to recover yeah. from those injuries. It was extraordinary. Years, years of surgery and, um, yeah, so. And you said that you were you were under the Harley Davidson protecting the paintwork as you skid <laughs> along the bitumen. I did. Yeah, what a woman. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Yeah, we were both so lucky to um, yeah to survive that. Yeah. Um, and then, unfortunately, oh well, I had a big um, plate in my leg on my, you know, it was quite long on my femur, which had to come off after two years and. When they removed it, I was fine, but then I stepped off the veranda and it spiral fractured right up the middle and I was about three, three and a half or four and a half months pregnant with Sam at the time. Luckily, my leg didn't collapse. It stayed together, but I then had to be on crutches for the rest of the pregnancy. Um, yeah, so I gave birth on crutches as well. So, yeah, not recommended. It's incredible that your stories and the things that you've been through, those life challenges, and all of it feeds into you being an incredibly nurturing, understanding, healing person, and that feeds into your work. Yes. Yeah, you have to have to have that sensitivity to do this level of work. Um, and at the end of the day, we are dealing with emotions and we are dealing with grief and we are... We are dealing with, um, yeah, you know, people come to us as mediums at, at the worst time of their lives or, you know, trying to, um, you know, move on with their lives. So we have to be very, very considerate and and um, mindful um, of the needs of people. 
And that's why I, I wanted to also write a book about demystifying mediumship to, to, to talk about the healing aspects of mediumship because I personally am horrified about the witchy-woo rubbish that often goes on and I just I, I honestly can't stand it and it's not what real mediumship is all about. Um, there's no healing aspect to, to that way of behaving in my mind I might be a bit old-fashioned but I just don't see it (laughs) so I totally agree with you I just want to say Kerry thank you so much to you and thank you to Sam who's so present with us through this interview and so present through the your words and through the pages of both books that you've written thank you to him for his evidence from the spirit world that enabled you to write about these topics and explore these topics for the benefit of many many people thank you Anne, and thank you for the opportunity of talking with you and and i also just want to thank all of the 17 mediums um who allowed me to share their stories because they were so personal, so open, and and I'm so grateful. And, yeah, and I'm obviously so grateful to my beautiful boy for um, helping me. Yeah, and I'm very grateful also to Serge and Carla for being incredibly supportive because I know a lot of partners and, and children aren't. They just don't understand what, you know, I'm a different person now in in many ways I'm still the same old Kerry and others but they you know didn't sign up for me to become a medium or an author for that matter either but they've both been incredibly supportive so I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for joining us Kerry Alderuccio. Thank you Anne, pleasure. Kerry Alderuccio there everybody please do go and buy her two books they are incredible A Mother's Journey A Story of Everlasting Love and Evidence of Life After Death and also she's written Demystifying Mediumship What Makes a Medium and there are 17 as as you've heard in the interview there are 17 mediums here with a mini biography of each one who has contributed to this book and spoke about the life that they have led and what has led them to mediumship. I highly highly recommend that you go out and buy this book and read about the lives of these people that are working out there as modern day mediums. These are the 17 people who have shared their lives with you in this book. Paul Jacobs, Biagio Tropiano, Pamela Pollington, Christelle Rosenkild Christensen, Tony Riley, Lorraine Kulross, Simone Salmon, Florence King, Andrew Manship, Adam Berry, Lynn Parker, Jeffrey Peck, Angie Morris, Sharon Harvey, Anne-Marie Bond, Deborah Chalmers and Andre Ingratia. Demystifying mediumship. What makes a medium? The show notes are available for this podcast episode over on my website. You can go over there. You can pick up the links, the URLs for all of the places where you can buy these books that Kerry has written. And you can uh, pick up the link to her website as well. I highly recommend you go over there. Have a look at her Awake TV videos. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Psychic Matters. It's been wonderful talking to Kerry. 
It's been fabulous having you all as listeners. Don't forget to leave, if you possibly can, a written review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would be hugely, hugely appreciated and would help move the podcast up the podcast charts. I wish you a wonderful couple of weeks. My name is Anne Teato and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters.